Hey everybody, this is Marina, your podcast host at Unbossed. Here we go. At Unbossed, I interview amazing women in Chicago. There's so much woman power in this city that I want to provide these women a platform to tell their story. Please connect with us and please consider supporting by sharing, liking, commenting the podcast. Tell all your Netflix friends and family about it. Submit a recommendation for our guest. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and donate by clicking on the anchor link and help me continue to make great episodes. I hope you enjoy and welcome to the show. Elena Valentine is a workplace filmmaker and design researcher. Elena has made it her mission to help people find meaning in their work through stories that matter. With the motto, you cannot be what you cannot see, Elena started filming jobs as a way to get young people excited about careers. Since then, her team, a skill scout, has since built a world-class media company. Their films have helped clients like Nike, McDonald's, and American Airlines engage candidates and employees alike. Elena particularly excited about SkillScout's latest project, the Humans at Work documentary and virtual film festival series that share stories of people who find passion and meaning in their work. Elena was recently named HR Superhero by Disrupt HR Chicago and New City's Film 50 of 2020. She's also the co-founder of Mescla Media Collective, a thriving community-based Chicagoland nonprofit that elevates, elevates femme-identifying filmmakers of color. I welcome Elena to my podcast. Welcome. This episode is going to be a little bit special as the podcast is going to be split into portions. Um, the first portion is going to be me and Elena talking about SkillScout as she walks around her property. The second part is going to be back in the studio, us getting vulnerable about our, our journey. So please don't leave once the first half ends. It's going to sound like it ends, but it won't. And it will continue into the journey um, talks in the studio. I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, I don't know, but in the what minute, is it? Oh, in, in the, the minute, minute. Oh, I, for some reason, I thought it was you were Brazilian. Okay. <laughs> In Dominica, we say damos. Damos. Amen, Marina. There, well, we're probably recording right now, but that's okay. You know, we get a lot of Puerto Ricans and Mexicans in Chicago, not a lot of Dominicans, right? So it's like New York City, even Montreal has a huge Dominican population. Absolutely. Best breakfast ever. Best Absolutely. breakfasts are Dominican breakfasts. I love this already. So, <laughs> Elena Valentine. Welcome to Unbossed, the podcast. How are you doing today? I am unbossed, untamed, and being very real right now. <laughs> yeah. Just like, you know, you just you just got to do things throughout your day, like walk around because your your house smells like bleach and there's vacuum, vacuum sounds all around you. So I am pleasantly taking a walk in the neighborhood as all is all leaders should to kind of get get the calm and get centered. I love it. And I love that you decided to do this with me even on a walk. So I'll be gladly going on a walk with you. Um, you are the CEO and co-founder of SkillScout. Uh, it's, a big, a com- it's a fundamental company here in Chicago. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Tell me a little bit about your journey with SkillScout and that, how that happened. 
and feel free to walk around. I think like walking and talking may be a future thing. I mean, there. yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the walk, walk and talk podcast of Unbossed. Um, yeah, you know, so, you know, my, my journey with Skill Scout really begins, you know, inevitably, if I have to start inevitably from the beginning, I'm born and raised in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and knew I wanted to serve my community. I'm a former labor organizer. That was the first uh, job I got at a college. The reason why I even start there is because, especially when it comes to the meaning of work, which inevitably is the key focus for Skill Scout films, um, that's an important part of the journey because, you know, at that kind of young age of, of 22, organizing uh, nurses and CNAs across the city, what I came to truly realize and, and see and understand was how important work was not only to one's livelihood, but to one's identity. Oh. And that was always something that stood out to me. Uh, and so as I kind of progressed through my career, I ended up landing at a design innovation firm called Gravity Tank, which is, you know, now uh, Salesforce. So very kind of similar to an ideal-like environment, I became a design researcher. Nice. Inevitably, though, what that meant that, you know, because of my media background, I was turning really ugly research video into documentary-like film, because who would have thought uh, C-suite is moved by emotion, C-suite is moved by stories, not just data. Love it. And so inevitably what we were doing was we were the ethnographers for the Fortune 100s. And so be it working for a Target or for a Samsung or for an, you know, a Starbucks, it was really all in, in helping them understand their, their core customers. Yeah. So that we could design processes around them, all around user-centered design. The reason why this is important because that's really where Skill Scout came from. Yeah. So the blessing I had working as a design researcher at this company was being able to primarily work on social impact projects. Yeah. So not working for Frito-Lay, but working for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation on teacher collaboration Beautiful. or the W.K. Kellogg Foundation on youth unemployment, which is inevitably what would change my life and why Skill Scout uh, is what it is. Um, and it was looking at this national problem aimed to connect these six million young people who are not in school or in the workforce. They come from non-traditional backgrounds. And so how do we connect them to more meaningful pathways to employment? Beautiful. And, you know, one of the things that we realized loud and clear when we took a step back is, look, you have a lot of young people who have never left their neighborhoods. They like access and exposure jobs. Yeah. Job descriptions don't show what a job is like. And you cannot be what you cannot see. Yeah. And despite the fact, right, that, that we know that, that work is, it can truly be filled with a lot of opportunity. Um, it can be filled with a lot of inspiration and a lot of meaning. Our hiring process was bereft of that. Yeah. And so we took a step back. We realized that there was a power in video and there's a power in storytelling. Initially to bring jobs to life just to get young people excited about the world of work. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we started to do. We just started to film jobs and young people started to put their phones down. They started to ask questions. And more importantly, they started to really kind of look at these jobs and give it, it gave them this opportunity to self-screen in or self-screen out. Mm. And so then inevitably we knew that we had something here, that there was a power in being able to use film, a power in being able to use story to get any candidates kind of truly to kind of understand yeah. You know, whether or not their values could also match the values of that company. You know, could they, you know, see themselves doing, could they imagine themselves doing the tasks that they saw was being brought to life? Um, 
and inevitably, you know, fail forward seven years, you know, inevitably we've built this company, you know, working on behalf of, you know, businesses large and small. Yeah. To bring their stories to life, you know. So big pitch for Skillscott is, look, we exist to capture the humanity of work through stories that matter. And everyone has a story of work yes. and why it's meaningful. Absolutely. And we are doing that using the power of film. And so Beautiful. whether that's bringing a job to life, whether that's a company culture, uh, whether that's training, whether that's an important communication to create an emotional connection, we live to be the workers filmmaker. Got it. Got it. That's, that's a, that's that I am impressed, but how tight the pitch is. I love it. I, hey, I love it. <laughs> you got I mean, it. You know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been failing forward on this pitch for seven years. You know what I'm saying? But this I, is what it is. Right. I and I for it. all of the other, you know, baby um, bosses out there. Yeah. Right. Like, that's right. It's a struggle bus for those first few years <laughs> to get this tight and right. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I love the story and I love how it all comes together in like hindsight 2020, right? What what was the Elena story behind Skill Scout? Mm. You know, the Elena story behind Skill Scout? That's a very powerful question. Um, I quit my job because I saw a social injustice in the world. What, what drove you? And it compelled it? me. Yeah. You know, and every look, what markedly changed my life was yeah. in the spring of 2011 on the shores of Baltimore Harbor. And I'm in this very kind of bustling, um, you know, wood shop, woodworking shop, young people all around me making some of the most, you know, credible furniture. Yeah. And it almost, you have to take a step back to realize and remember like, you know, these young, you know, these young men had just come out of the Maryland juvenile justice system yeah. and that they were using this program as not just important work skills, but inevitably life skills to help more positively and meaningfully transition them back into the communities. Yeah. And these were also young men who, despite being motivated and talented, were clearly being shut out from the hiring process because they didn't look good on resumes. They certainly hadn't necessarily been exposed in ways that others had yeah. to what possibilities were out there for them. Mm -hmm. That's when I knew. And so I guess I share that and I, you know, when, when that ties back to my time as a labor organizer, recognizing one's identity to work, one's meaning, the, the livelihood that work gives us to support our families and how broken our hiring system was yeah. and how storytelling and how video, something that I knew how to do, yeah. could even help to contribute to how people can make more meaningful hiring connections and understand the work that they would be doing. That's why this That's is what beautiful. I do. That's beautiful, Lena. Thank you for that. That's really powerful and it's really moving. Uh, and it's courageous to wanting to quit your job to pursue a passion. Cause at the time, you know, you, you were probably not making money at this. You were just setting off. No, and look, this is this is this is tough, right? You know, I my husband, you know, your spouse, that partner, that family, you know, sometimes they're on board with you in the beginning and sometimes they're not. Yeah. 
And the truth is, my husband was not on board with this. Mm. You know, initially when we were starting out, he didn't necessarily see this as being viable. Mm. And at the time, the first business wasn't. And I remember distinctly, you know, sitting him down and crying and just being like, look, like, if I don't take this, I will regret this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And sometimes you really have to think about these key decisions, right? And, and if I think about some of the biggest, most important life decisions I've ever made, and, and, and I think this is where you have to think readily buckle up and settle in for this journey because it's, it's a hard one. Yeah. Is that, look, the best decisions I've ever made is marrying my husband and founding Skill Scout. Yeah. Beautiful. And so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, you know, there, there's nothing, you know, sexy or romantic for a lot of the behind the scenes that people don't see yeah. of the highlight reels that we typically <laughs> might yeah. share on a bio. Absolutely. Or Mike share on LinkedIn. <laughs> Absolutely, you, like there's a sense of tenacity um, in in you and a sense of power that I feel, and I'm sure the audience can feel it as well. I was wondering if you could share a story of of yourself, of Elena as a little girl. Um, who, like if you if you had a story in mind that is really about you, what could you share? Is really about me. Hmm. Well, it's finding finding my voice. And finding your voice takes all kinds of levels. But I literally first knew I found my voice in high school when I tried out for my first musical. When I was a freshman in high school. And, you know, prior to that, you know, I come from a family of, of good singers, you know, but I never saw myself as a singer or as a performer necessarily in that way. And um, it was Tommy. But for those of you that know about the musical Tommy, which was written <laughs> by The Who about a pinball wizard and written in the 70s and very kooky, kind of almost too mature for for high school students to be performing. Um, I try out. I become, you know, one of the core ensemble members. It was wonderful. It was great. And then, lo and behold, probably maybe say two or three weeks before we were to, you know, go on to the show, uh, the Acid Queen, who is played by Tina Turner in the film, uh, you know, unfortunately had to depart from the show. The director comes to me and he's like, all right, Elena, I want you to quickly learn this song and, and see if you can do this. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I take, you know, my 20 minutes and somehow just something came out of me. My 14-year-old self all of a sudden started to become what? Maybe, I don't know, a, a prostitute, <laughs> you know, acid, drug addicted, whatever, becoming, <laughs> being very sensual, whatever. And I don't know what came out of me. I had a whole dance. <laughs> I started singing and, 
and I, and I think inevitably what I found is, you know, in these moments when, you know, just like Lizzo, you know, why men, why men great when they, you know, until they got to be, be great, yeah. you know, and that was the same thing. Like, I think that that was the moment of like, you know, yeah, I'm great until I got to be great and I can show I can be great. <laughs> and I got that role yeah. and inevitably kind of really just changed my life in terms of seeing the creative arts is not just a passion, but something that compelled me to want to continue to do even today, even though it may not be singing and performing, being able to make a living off of being an artist. And inevitably I feel that what we, what I do at Skill Scout Films as a filmmaker is making a living and building generational wealth as an artist. Beautiful. Um, and you have built this uh, business and you talk about building businesses that last specifically. Mm -hmm. um, I love when you told me this story and I really would like for you to um, tell the audience about, you know, like I think the way we talked about it before was like, you know, we, we want to, um, you know, share principles of the heart and, and being spiritual and vulnerable during our leadership and our journey. We don't necessarily do what Silicon Valley does, and we want to build businesses that last. And I don't know if the story uh, you remember. I think you tell this story often. So yeah, maybe you're talking about. Go yeah, ahead. you know, look, I mean, in, you know, when we started this in, in 2013, oddly, right, which is so funny, because people have built businesses all around us all the time. Yeah. I really thought that there was only one way to build a business and be successful. And that was to raise a lot of investment and be like a Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, reach this like crazy amount of growth and sell. And that was it. Yeah. And then if I couldn't do that, this wasn't enough or that this business wasn't viable. And for a really long time, I felt less than, you know, like, investing and forecasting and, and quite frankly bullshitting through your numbers never felt right to me mm. it never sat well with me um and and it, it just felt so uncomfortable the whole time like truly it was it was a resistance and i didn't i couldn't understand why because i was like well th th this has to be it and you know, I, I continue to go through that and, and feel that until one day this woman brilliantly said, and mind you, in a startup incubator of a lot of, you know, tech startups, she's like, you know, I talk to a lot of you and, you know, you're all looking to build businesses to sell. And that's awesome. She's like, but there is nothing wrong with building a business to last. Wow. And when she said that in that space, for the first time I felt I had permission to feel like, oh, you're right. This could be a different business. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this. This may look different yeah. than what other businesses are doing, but it will feel right. And I think that was, gosh, maybe September of 2016. Yeah. And that's when I knew, that's when I knew that this could be different. And, you know, certainly 
you know, that kind of change took some time, right? Because we were kind of on the path to raising investment and, and kind of going forward. You know, we are in the process of having paid all of our investors back. Um, but it started in that moment, knowing yeah. that, oh, I've been comparing myself to elephants when I'm really a giraffe. <laughs> and it is a-okay, in fact, super dope to be a giraffe. <laughs> Tell me, um, so for the audience that doesn't know, did you actually have investment at the time and then you pay it all back? How mm -hmm. did that work? Yeah, I mean, so when we started, we were raising kind of a friends and family round, a seed round. Yeah. Because, you know, again, failing forward, this was supposed to be a very different business. We were very much supposed to be a pretty heavily, you know, you know, technology, you know, software kind of business. Yeah. And it quickly changed, right? At least in, in our minds. And I think in part for, for a couple reasons, I think one, recognizing that, you know, we couldn't afford to keep raising investment when we had to, you know, make payroll every yeah. two weeks. And so the big question really came for me, and, and I've said this to others, is like, look, if your technology all went down tomorrow, what could you still offer that you could still get paid for? Yeah. And then that's how we were able to really tighten up and focus um, for then to us to realize, you know what? We're storytellers. We're filmmakers. And inevitably, this is what companies are paying for. And this is what they really value. Mm -hmm. And let's dive deep. Nice. Beautiful. And so you decided to take the investments or the potential investment and said, no. So what did you do then? What happened? Did you grow it organically? What was the process? Yeah, I mean, everything's been driving business to revenues, quite frankly. And that's been since day one. You know, and, and we've had to certainly make some some key decisions here um, about you know, how fast we could grow and, and what the trade-offs might be. But inevitably, we're so much better. We're so much happier for it. And God bless, we're still here. Beautiful. We're still here. Absolutely. And Marina, I'm, I'm going to cut this all right. I'm at, this is Tell so me. crazy. I am at 5%. <laughs> and at, this is just, <laughs> my battery is just dying out. This, this is, is what it is. But I figured we could um, we could go we could do the last uh, thirty minutes another time. Perfect, Marina. I appreciate your grace and your patience. This no, has been an amazing I, phone conversation, but clearly yeah. unbossed, untamed, Please. and unrehearsed. Please, I yeah, I am so honored for you to uh, for us to continue the conversation and for you to be on my podcast. Thank you so much, Elena. I'll talk to you. I'll let you go, but I'll talk to you uh, next week to see if we can coordinate something. Okay. Amen, Marina. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye. Hey, Elena. Welcome to On Boston. We're back in the studio from our first conversation. From uh, you were taking a walk, walking around the property that you had. Um, we talk that is real unbossed. <laughs> yeah. If that's not the most unbossed first half of a podcast episode, I don't know what is because that's real life for anyone who is in my seat. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun and, and we talked a lot about your, your business, uh, you know, like from like 
what is your business standing for and why you're fighting the good fight. Um, today, we're going to go a little bit more introspective, um, both on the business side and the personal side. So I never got to this the first time around, but would you tell us a story about Elena as a, as a, as a kid, as a little girl? Who was she? What were you doing? Did you grow up in Chicago? I don't know. Let me tell me a little bit about you. Born, bred, bled, will live and die here in my city. <laughs> this is the city. This is my city. This is my soul city. Uh, you know, in part, I, I joke, I laugh that I'm part of the pathetic statistic that still lives miles away from their elementary school. Mm. And I married my 11-year-old childhood school crush. No way! And so the joke always is, you know, half the reason why we're still together is we're never going to leave the 606. Like, <laughs> I am right about the 606 too, by the way. <laughs> this is, you know, this is our, this is our city. And, and interestingly, right, when I, when I say that, you know, oftentimes, you know, the reason why that could conjure up more negative is one feels like, well, we're not leaving because we're too scared or we're too comfortable or we're not afraid to push boundaries. When in reality, actually, it's been the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's been to say, actually, this is our city. Yeah. We want to be a part of continuing to build this city up and to be part of the changes for our city. And when I think about those inevitably around the world who have made the biggest impact, mm -hmm. it's because they've recognized that the biggest impact they can make is not on the world. It's on the corner yeah. of where they live. Real and close. In the corner of their block. Yeah. And you know what? I'm in. I'm here to make my corner of Chicago look doper. <laughs> That's beautiful. And I will continue to, to want to do that. And I think to remind others of the magic that they can bring to this city, whether they're an entrepreneur, whether they're working anywhere else, whether they're living here, um, we should all see ourselves as being caretakers. Mm. Yes. For where we live. We certainly owe it to those that we took this land from. Mm which I also recognize and I honor. Yes. This is Potawatomi land right here. Yes. And every day when I walk through these neighborhoods, you know I them. acknowledge yeah. and recognize this is native land. Nice. And they are still here. I also honor that legacy. I love that. There is, so there is that is part of the story <laughs> for sure. There is some... Um... So I've, I've, I've met you outside and, and pitching your company and, and, and talking wild. And yet you have this calm and stillness in you, this, uh, uh, almost like, um, mellowness and just centered type of energy, um, were you, were you always this way? How did you learn? No. How did you learn to, like, no. is this something you practice? Like, it's, ob it's obvious. I hope you, you take this as a compliment, right? Because it's, it's beautiful. Like, the, 
the energy you bring into even this conversation. I hope my guest, our guests can hear it today, but it's, it's beautiful, it's centering, it's calming, it's mindful. Yeah, no, it was not always this way. Mm. Um, the way I show up, how I show up, down to my pauses, inevitably has everything to do with my own self-love mm. and inner confidence. Inevitably, I think the biggest challenge I have faced, and others do too, is the accolade syndrome. Mm. Is the external validation syndrome that drives a lot of us going up that first mountain. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's how we got and continue to get rewarded. Mm -hmm. It's about getting the best grades. <laughs> it's about getting the best award. The best award. <laughs> and so, right, us high achievers, yeah. many of us who take the entrepreneurship route have unfortunately been, been bred to need that. Um, and it's not to say that I don't have those twinges now. Um, but certainly it, it came to a head. It started for sure coming to a head on April 10th of 2019 mm -hmm. when I was about to hop on a plane from Minneapolis back to Chicago mm -hmm. And I was very much near my gate and I missed the fucking flight. <laughs> I mean, I, I wasn't paying attention. I've missed so many flights. <laughs> it doesn't make me more center. <laughs> but so Tell me. Yeah. what triggered this is uh, among other things yeah. to recognize that something was off was I was tired. I was zoning out. Mm -hmm. There was no reason why I should have missed that flight. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, you know what? It's 10 p.m. <laughs> I don't want to stay in Minneapolis. I've got a great book, Digital Minimalism, that I'm going to listen to. And I'm going to get myself a rental car <laughs> and drive the seven hours yeah. from Minneapolis to Chicago. But what little Miss Dum Dum didn't also check was that I was going to be driving into a snowstorm, mm. a very severe snowstorm. Now, for those Minnesotans who do this, <laughs> like the winters that they're used to, they're fine. And I saw that on the road and I was not. And it was one of the scariest experiences. I seriously thought after I was driving, seeing truck going into ditch after ditch, all alone, 11 p.m. at night, midnight. I can't see anything. I can't see the roads. I have trucks passing me as fast as they can. I, I realized that this experience was happening for me and not to me. And I just prayed. Mm -hmm. And I prayed 
and I prayed and prayed and prayed um, not to be in a ditch, not to be that single girl that someone just falls upon or, you know, I, I, I just, it was such one of those very like awakening experiences for myself. Um, and I just kept praying and I just kept praying and I knew my spirits were listening. I knew my mother who is not of this realm anymore was listening and was protecting me. And then I calmed down, but recognized that this was, this was the warning that I couldn't go as fast as I was going, that I needed to change my priorities. And I started to, and it's been, uh, you know, phases of that, but it started then. And all of us have it, right? Ariana Huffington has the famous story of she was overworked, wasn't sleeping, and and, and she she almost caused some pretty severe physical damage to herself if she didn't catch it. And so all of us have that moment. And I guess inevitably for me, the takeaway is, is that I think the biggest bullshit that we can... I think give to entrepreneurs somehow is saying like, oh, well, you should learn from me. Like, don't overwork yourself. Don't oversleep. <laughs> the truth is, is that all of us have to push our own boundaries because yeah. all of us is different. Mm-hmm. Like part of the game, the reason why not all of us are entrepreneurs is because this is what you have to go through. The truth is everyone who is in my position has a moment like this, has their awakening moment. And sometimes it's more severe Sometimes it's not, but you have to go through this part of this journey. Part of the soul's purpose of doing this work is to push your boundaries and then recognize when you know you've hit the fence (laughs) and you can't go back. Right. Like that's, that's what that is. And that's inevitably what that was for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yes, I, and I share that story. Of course, there's lots of, I think, other major insights that came from there as a result. But that was my moment. That was my moment. And the takeaway for everyone else is I, I can't tell you that you can't go through something like that. Yeah. You're gonna find that you're gonna find your Minnesota storm in a snowstorm, <laughs> thinking you're gonna fall in a ditch kind of moment. How ha- how did your business change when you started changing? Part of this, right, is I I have an eternal prayer for myself that I say every day. And in one of those phrases that I say to myself, I say, I make peace with my resistance and I live in surrender to flow. One of the biggest challenges we have, especially as early stage business owners and leaders is we're so wed to a specific outcome. Like I'm going to have the sales conversation. They're going to buy from me. Or I'm going to apply for this accelerator and I just have to get it. Because if I don't get it, ugh, like this is a failure. 
or if I don't make Cranes 40 under 40 of Chicago, I, I just must not be good enough. And that's what we tell ourselves. For those of us with the accolades <laughs> syndrome, for those of us, you know, that, that, Exter- this, that right? external we, we validation, like it's so precious, yeah. it's so precious. Right. Yeah. And we, and we feel that, you know, we come into this feeling like we need to have this outcome because this is what's going to get us to the next level. As opposed to recognizing that things happen for us, not to us. Mm-hmm. And there are reasons we are going through this lessons and part of them for me inevitably that I lead with most all the time is I make peace with my resistance and I live in surrender to flow which means that I go into every conversation I go into every project obviously saying look I am here to you know to do my best to make this project a success but what that looks like could be very different than my initial intent mm-hmm. or vision. And that any of the hiccups that continue to come my way are meant to happen for me, not to me. And that I am protected, I am blessed, and I live in gratitude. I love it. And so that has been the energy shift. It's not being wed to specific outcomes in that same way. Mm-hmm. It could look like in a very real example, when I might have a prospective client saying, well, maybe it's this budget or can we do this? I want to do this. And I might say, totally understand. I completely understand. You want to make this success. Maybe it's budget. Maybe it's this. And it would be a delight to work with you. I also understand, however, that this may not be a fit because our effort level is X. And so I recognize if, if, if this budget or if this way of working isn't a fit for you, I totally understand if you need to feel like you need to move on from this. And once you do that, oddly, right, you'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. Right? Like once you almost politely take stock of the boundaries and what you're willing to do and not willing to do, mm-hmm. you would be amazed at how the energies around you follow suit. Mm. And that happens all the time because I am here to attract the clients and the business and the connections that are here for skill scouts and my highest and best self. And if you are not for that agenda, I understand why we are repelled. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I really like it. One could, can you play devil's advocate for a second? And, um, How do you, how do you also recognize the other side of that, which is like, I am totally one that is learning flow and learning. I have not gotten, I think as good as 
you or even my husband he's great at flow like everything flows for him like things happen it's like magic <laughs> and i'm over here punching punching right um and the other the other side of that is like is there such a thing as too much flow or like not taking opportunities mm, proactively and you know what I mean? I, I don't mean too much flow. You, I think you know what I mean. I, you know, like, where is that other side? You know, a little bit of yes and a little bit of no. Mm-hmm. When I say that I make peace with my resistance and live in surrender, that doesn't mean I take a laissez-faire attitude. Absolutely. For its thing. Where's the, how do we balance that? And that, yeah. And, and, and it's. How do we recognize that we are. Maybe just, maybe we could have been a little bit more proactive or a little more. Yeah. And I'll be honest, Marina, like, look, (laughs) I've been in this game for over seven years. Yeah. And I didn't start out like this. Yeah. This is part of the pushing of the boundaries. This is a part of recognizing that. I myself am on a journey mm-hmm. um, and I can say those things because I have built the book of business. I have worked my ass off. And I have sacrificed a lot of myself, of my finances, of my marriage. Yeah. Of my relationships to be here. And so once you've gone through that, it becomes a lot easier to recognize what's most important. And that saying yes to everything actually doesn't make you more successful. It just makes you more stretched thin. That when you really look at the data and you look at the stories of our biggest successes or leaders, it's those that had an essential intent and those who knew how to say no to things that weren't a part of that focus. Absolutely. Saying no. And so part of it, I think, is, you know, you you start with this funnel and you have to throw a lot of spaghetti at the wall. Mm -hmm. You do. Like being a business owner and a leader and starting your career, it is. It's it's a funnel. It's a a large funnel. And and you get overwhelmed and, you know, it's a a young person's game or a youthful spirit's game, right, to do this. Yeah. And so that just means, you know, I've been through this, Marina. I have put in my time. You're at the bottom now. <laughs> now I now I am part of the filter. I love it. Now I'm just part of the filter, right? But I've been through it. And Absolutely. so again, everyone needs to go through their own funnel yeah. of their career, of their life. And what I would say to you, Marina, is I too have a husband who very much teaches me about radical acceptance and flow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I continue to, I think, 
you know, reflect, I married him because of it, mm-hmm. right? When we think about speaking of our spouses and our partners who go through with this on our journey, we're attracted to them most oftentimes because they have something that we need to learn yes. to heal ourselves. Absolutely. I, I do agree with that. 100%. Which is not to say that we all learn it, but the universe does give us what we need. Give us some, <laughs> some signs yes. that, you know, these souls are in your life yes. to help you heal very key pieces of yourself. And I've just been very blessed to recognize that and know that as I continue down this journey. Yeah, absolutely. And so as you speak, as you're speaking about the, the spirit that it's needed for entrepreneurship and that funnel, we were also talking about the different stages of entrepreneurship, right? And so like one of the stages that you just mentioned is like youthful spirit throw spaghetti at the wall, you're fired and you're passionate. What happens then as the funnel thins, as you progress, as you develop your own leadership, as the business grows? What do you, what have you identified are some of the stages of entrepreneurship? Well, speaking from my experience, if I had to define you know, some of the, the initial phases, right? You know, those first two years, it's like a train. For me, it was a train. It was like, look, as long as I am going in a forward direction, I'm good. <laughs> we good. I don't even have a map, but as long as I'm going in a forward direction and our business doesn't die in a month, like I'm going to keep on going. And what that takes is a lot of hustle and a lot of grit and perseverance and a lot of grinding. Like it was grinding. It's just grinding work because it does, it is so new. There is so much to prove out. It does feel so overwhelming. And, you know, I remember my emotions, they were so much more raw so much more vulnerable. There was this sense of as much as I was crying and emotional, knowing that this was my purpose, I was also crying and emotional because my biggest fear was losing it, right? That when knowing that I had found one of my sole purposes, the scariest thing is to think that this can get taken away from you, Mm -hmm. right? That like, all of the sacrifices, all of it. And so that to me really defined, I think, the first two years. Then I would say three and four, you know, or the, the, the next phase is you're not, you know, the, the, the question of survival month to month isn't that. Like you started to recognize that this is the roller coaster. Like you're like, oh, okay, that's the dip. I feel that, right? Like if the first phase was, oh, I've never felt this emotion before. The second phase is recognizing, like, oh, okay, 
Okay. <laughs> yep. I've been here before. It sucks, but I it got sucks. out. Yeah. I've been to this before, but all right, like we're going through it. We're going through it. And, and there's, you know, things become a little bit clear that, you know, it became a little bit clearer for me. Um, and, and I think that in some ways I'm still part of that, you know, second phase but at least this time, and this time I can more confidently say it, right, as I get closer to the funnel that whereas before I wore Skill Scout like a cloak, I wore Skill Scout as if this was the identity. I've realized that Skill Scout is simply a manifestation of my essential intent here on life. I was brought on this earth to remind beings of their magic and awaken them to the light of their own true nature. And I do that through the power of storytelling, through the medium of film. I love it. And so whether it's Skill Scout or any other name, my soul's intent on this earth in this lifetime is to remind beings of their magic and awaken them to the light of their own true nature, <laughs> period. Through, through filmmaking in this specific time period, but also through maybe other arts. And also through other arts and also in other ways. Yeah. And I think that's the difference Yes, is that it, 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 this funnel too goes, for me, it went from a lot of external and now to the internal. Mm -hmm. And for you to stay in this game long enough, it is recognizing the level of self-care needed to continue to do this. I remember hearing LeBron James spends well over $100,000 a month if not more, on his own self-care and wellness. Mm. Now, you know, be like, man, you know, well, considering how much he makes and da, 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 or whatever. But I mean, the truth is when you look at the highest performers, these performers know the value of rest. They know the value of wellness and the value of self-care and they're willing to invest and pay for it. And you have to. And so at some point, as you got on the funnel, you realize, well, shit. Well, <laughs> LeBron James, I can't spend $100,000 a month, but I'll for damn sure make sure that my investments are being made in, in these core things. Because it's going to be the one person who burns out in this business first, it will be me. Mm -hmm. And I have to look out for that. Yes, absolutely. Because I will be no better of a leader if I don't take my own self-care and wellness in check. Elena, I am the worst person at taking time for myself. I have three daughters, seven months old, four years old, eight years old. I have a husband. I have the podcast. I have full-time work at Instagram. I am in a fellowship. I am a tech coach. I'm about to get on boards of companies. I have like, I am the worst person. Like my husband has to push me. So what's holding you back, Marina? Pushing me out of the door to get a massage. But what's holding you back? What's your biggest fear? I think it's like, I am afraid of being, doing nothing. Is it possible? But what happens? What, what, what's, what's the feeling you, you would feel by doing nothing? Like what, what's the, what's behind that? It's not doing nothing. What's behind it? It's like, if there's no movement, there's, there's nothing. Am I moving forward? Am I, am I, 
adding value? Am I, am I, if I have nothing going on, am I even existing? Yeah. And, and if I don't exist, then what's the point? Mm -hmm. And when you say that now, what does that bring up for you? I need to be here for my girls. Yeah. You know, my, my mom used to tell me, you know, you try to catch two rabbits, you'll never catch one. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I got emotional. <laughs> but why? Oh. Because you know some you know you know there's an issue. I know there's a lesson to be learned. Yeah, for sure. And I hope all the women like I hear it all the time. I'm so busy. I'm so spread thin. I really hope, you know, people hear this and take something out of this. This is hard work. <laughs> it is. It is hard work. You know, and I think sometimes if I can give voice to who you are, Marina. You, you're changing the legacy and generational wealth for your family just by being here. I'm sure it was quite different living in the Dominican Republic. Absolutely. I'm sure you are the first to do a lot of things for your family. Of course. And sit in that for a second and revel in that, that you are your ancestors' wildest dreams already. just by being where you are. Yeah. Knowing that your girls are going to have a life that their grandma and your grandmas could only dream of. Because if I were to ask you, were you the first to do this? (laughs) Were you the first to do this? Were you the first to do this? you would overwhelmingly say that, yes, you were. Yeah. Why can't that be enough? Oh, it's enough. I just hate flow. This is what happens. <laughs> and flow means it's, it's, it's accepting to be in conscious presence with yourself. Yeah. Because oftentimes when we do a lot of this work and you schedule yourself to do this, it's because you're too afraid to be quiet with yourself Marina, I've taken what I think will likely be a permanent hiatus off of Twitter and Instagram. I, I, I haven't been on Facebook. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. I haven't been on Facebook in years. I will keep LinkedIn because it's good for business. I see, at least for my professional life, yeah. that I am willing to, um, you know, share those parts of myself. 
but then there are others that I will not. And when I can put my faith over my fear, my faith in my spirits, and my faith in my ancestors about why I've been put on this earth, they will provide. And that's a very woo-woo magic that I don't expect a portion of these <laughs> listeners to understand and that's okay that's okay too uh no i i i do hope the audience can uh, can learn something from this it took a completely different turn which is great um no regrets elena um we this is all the time that i have with you today and i hope you come back in a year or so, and we can do this again. Hopefully this time. Hopefully next time you'll make me cry again, you know, <laughs> and we'll figure it out. But it has been just such a pleasure to talk to you um, and have you in the studio today and have this moment of centeredness for both of us. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Elena. there you have it i hope you like this episode and please don't forget to share like comment on the podcast link tell all your nachos and friends and family about it submit a recommendation for guests at subscribe on your favorite podcast app donate by clicking on the anchor link and help me continue to make great episodes you can find all this information on www.embossed.io see you next time Oh, that was good.